1: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Darren Summer, a winner of well over $250,000 in his high stakes fantasy football career and a veteran of the highest stakes leagues the FFPC has to offer. In this episode, we discuss the prospects of Elijah McGuire for the remainder of the season, what he likes to do on the waiver wire with a team hit hard by injuries, and much more. Also, to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC Main Event co-champion Nelson Sousa. The winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager David Hubbard, Sousa talks about the changing Packers and Ravens backfields, as well as how big of an impact he thinks Juju Smith-Schuster will have on Martavis Bryant. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it does help support the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. Nelson, we uh, we head on to week six here, and uh, it was a bad week five for the Steelers, and especially Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about what you think about that Steelers offense going forward. If this was just one bad game, and uh, how concerned are you if you are a uh, Martavis Bryant owner that Juju Smith Schuster outsnapped him for the third consecutive week?
3: Yeah, I, I think um, if you're if you've got you know those guys. In, uh, on teams, you got to be concerned. You know, Big Ben looks like he's uh, sort of disinterested, doesn't seem like uh, he's really into it uh, this year. So, uh, you know, obviously the big thing is him talking to reporters after the game saying that maybe he's lost it, he doesn't have it anymore. Um, I don't know if that's just a way for him to try to deflect uh, blame on the whole team and just put it on him and maybe a way for him to motivate himself but yeah it's it's concerning right now Martavis is not it the volume is just not there the offense is not moving uh the ball up and down the field where Martavis is uh is a part of it so uh kind of a tough situation you got to just uh nothing you can do about it you just got to ride that wave right now and hopefully Big Ben figures it out
1: and and outside of any really super plum matchups, I mean, I think you're you're playing Levy on Bell and Antonio Brown every week, but Roethlisberger and and uh, Martavis Bryant probably need to be on benches right now, even even with the bye weeks coming up.
3: Yeah, I mean, then everyone knows his home home and away splits, right? You don't play them on the road, and and you play him at home. Um, so last week was a home matchup, but with that said, it was, it was a tough home matchup. You know, the Jaguars defense is for real this year. Um, they have a very good secondary. So I, you know, let, let's, let's see if they get a couple of, you know, cake matchups, um, where they can kind of, you know, get their confidence back and, uh, maybe change things. But for right now, yeah, I mean, Martavis is, is a hard guy to, to set in, put in your lineup and have much confidence.
1: Shifting gears to the other conference right now, Ty Montgomery uh, may or may not miss uh, this coming week against the Vikings, we don't know yet, uh, but when he is healthy again, how do you see the backfield split go between him and Aaron Jones now that we, we saw how well Jones ran the ball uh, in Dallas this past week?
3: Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of uh, a good and bad. Um, you know, we, uh, we own a lot of Aaron Jones, but we own a lot of uh, Ty Montgomery. So it, we had Jones in 100% of lineups uh, last week, which was a good thing because he, he had a very good game and he looked good. Um, but at the same time, he looked so good that it, it's it's obvious that when Montgomery comes back that he's, um, he, he's definitely going to be uh, – the workload that he, we were accustomed to seeing is not going to happen anymore. I mean, Jones definitely um, has carved out a role for himself there. Um, if I had to predict, I would say that, you know, Montgomery is going to get, you know, maybe like 65, 70% of the playing time, um, with Jones handling, uh, the rest. Uh, but it, it could be higher. I mean, Montgomery was, he, he had a unsustainable, uh, you know, snap count. It, I mean, he was on the field the whole game. So it was kind of like, uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, esque. So I, I would say that. You know, if he drops down a little bit, he can still produce. Uh, It's actually probably better for him, um, you know, to be a little fresher um, so that when they do give him the ball, uh, he he can do something with it. He's got fresh legs. Uh, But, you know, again, Jones looks so good that it's going to be hard for the Packers not to want to use him.
1: And conversely, in, in the Baltimore backfield, we might have we might have gotten some more clarity uh, as far as whose backfield that is going forward. You have uh, Terrence West getting hurt early on in the game this past week, and then really Alex Collins and, and Buck Allen shared the, the backfield, but it, it was Buck Allen at the goal line. It was Buck Allen catching passes. Buck Allen got a lot of action in Baltimore. Is it his job now? I mean, is he the number one running back in Baltimore, and should we be treating him like that for fantasy?
3: Yeah, I, I think uh in PPR and in standard, he's the guy that, that you wanna be starting because what what's happening with Collins is he's put the ball on the ground a couple of times now and that's uh basically pissed off the coaches. So that's why you're seeing Buck Allen in there at the goal line and uh and getting all those I mean th- those are high, you know, leverage situations there. Uh you don't wanna be putting the ball down on ground in the red zone. So I, I think Allen's the goal line back and he's also the passing down back, right? So for PPR, you know he's going to catch you get you a handful of balls every every week, four or five catches. So um, he's the guy that I I would feel confident you know playing here the, the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, certainly if you got him off the waiver wire a, a few weeks back, or if you drafted him this season, you are uh, liking plugging him in as a second running back. Uh... Uh, you know, going forward, especially with, with all these buys about to hit teams hard. Uh, final question for you, Nelson, before we let you go. Uh, Devin Funches, another big game uh, this week, gets in the end zone again. Do you think that he's just excelling because Greg Olson is not on the field, or are we actually witnessing a, a breakout here for Funches and that he is here <laughs> to stay, finally arriving in, in fantasy relevance? I,
3: I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, you know, throughout the summer, um, you know, I kept hearing – a lot of a lot of different things about how um, you know he's looked good, how he's come into camp really focused, uh, you know how Cam um, you know is impressed by uh, his work ethic this year. Um, I think just he's doing a lot less thinking uh, this year in the NFL. You know, remember he he was kind of like a hybrid in college you know, playing tight end and, and moving to wide receiver. So there's a lot of the little nuances when you get to the NFL, you know, besides a huge playbook, you, you know, you, he, he was learning a kind of a new position. It's not, you know, so I, I think that his mind was racing. And when rookies or young guys uh, in the first, second year um, are, you know, their mind are racing you know and they're, they're thinking about you know what's the next play how do they have to run their route and everything they, they don't play fast and and I think this year he's a lot more relaxed he's comfortable with the uh, with, you know with his role um, you know he looks good but at the same time with Olsen you know being out I, I think that's allowed for more targets you know for you know him and uh, Benjamin but Funchess is definitely the guy that's taking advantage of it
1: Yeah, it definitely is, and uh, maybe more Big Fantasy Weeks will be in store for him. Uh, We know that uh, more Big Fantasy Weeks will be in store for you, Nelson. Good luck on the waiver wire this week, and uh, best of luck to you in Week 6. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks. Thanks to Nelson Sousa for his input this week. Now here's $250,000 high-stakes winner Darren Summer. Darren, when you are uh, not playing high-stakes fantasy football uh, and doing well in the FFPC main event and your other leagues, what are you doing for a living?
4: Well, uh, right now, that's kind of uh, occupying a lot of my time. I mean, i got 20 teams this year, so it's uh, taking up a lot of my time. But uh, I'm fortunate enough that I've uh, got a partnership in a consulting firm. Uh, we do a lot of supply chain, ma- supply chain management, uh, deal with excess inventory and obsolescence issues. So a lot of that kind of runs itself. So uh, right now, a lot of my focus is on uh, high-stakes fantasy football. It's, uh, you know, between – free agent pickups and lineups and all that stuff, uh, you know, it's, it's occupied a lot of my time. And once again, I'm fortunate enough to have that opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah. It's definitely like a full-time job at, at this time of year uh, for sure. Well, and, and it's, it's a job that you're doing uh, very well at right now. Uh, big week for your FFPC, your top FFPC main event team, the team that's in sixth place uh, overall. So congrats on that. I want to ask you uh, about one of the guys on that team. And that's Chris Hogan, uh, the receiver for the Patriots. When you look at you know the the Patriots that were that were drafted this year as far as receivers go, you had Danny Amendola, you had Brandon Cooks, you had a bunch of guys that were up there. Is there any other receiver on New England that you'd rather own right now than Chris Hogan, given how many um, not only fantasy points he's scoring a week, but given how many touchdowns he seems to be scoring a week? And where do you think he finishes among wideouts at the end of the year?
4: Well, I think all of them. I think all the guys you mentioned, you know, Amendola, Hogan, Cooks. I mean. I have Cooks. I'm sorry. I have a uh, Hogan on the team that you're you're referenced. You know, it's that's you know in the top ten right now, overall. But all those guys are basically getting the getting the opportunities. or are getting targets every week. You know, so um, any one of those guys uh, could finish in the top ten. I mean, every one of those guys. You know, look, Brady's throwing 40 balls a game, man. You got those same guys: Amendola, Hogan, Cooks, White's catching balls. Gronk, who knows how healthy he is, um, but. Uh, I'm just fortunate enough on that specific, specific team to have Hogan. But I really think if you look at Cooks at the end of the year, Amendola at the end of the year, Hogan at the end of the year, uh, those guys could potentially finish in the top ten. I mean, they're not going to be your their DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Greens, your T.Y. Hilton. Those guys are tar- target monsters. But, uh, you know, Amendola, Hogan, and Cooks will get looks every single week just because of the nature of Brady throwing 40 balls a week.
1: And given that, you know, you believe that any one of those three – could finish in the top 10 at the end of the year it, it's not a bad idea to, to just have a piece uh you know just have one or two pieces of that uh because any one of them on any given week should put up big numbers
4: correct I mean I've, I've got Amendola on two main event teams I've got Hogan on one and Cooks on another so um so far I mean they've all put up good numbers I mean obviously Hogan has the touchdowns in the year but uh, those are guys you plug in every week and just let them do their thing
1: Doug Martin came back from his uh, suspension this week uh, for the Buccaneers. Looked really good uh, against those Patriots on Thursday night. He's actually your third running back or maybe your second running back, depending upon you know how you classify it on this main event team that's in sixth place overall. Do you think he's a guy that should be really locked into starting lineups uh, now going forward, given how much we saw the Bucs use him uh, his first week back? and uh, Unless the matchup is really poor, I, I feel like Doug Martin is a guy that could put up really good numbers every week.
4: I agree with you. I mean, he ran real hard, but the only negative with Doug Martin is not so much Doug Martin. It's 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 Dirk Cutter. I mean, you know, you still have Jaquiz Rogers there. You know, take a look at last week's game against New England. You know, New England the previous few weeks, everyone was eating, you know, five hundred yards and just yardage after yardage. And you saw Dirk Cutter come in there and look like it was the first time he was calling plays and really didn't wasn't very creative, you know. And so I think like I said, you know, Doug Martin, he's running hard. He he should get the looks, but you have that wild card, in my opinion, of, of the coach. You know, does he still want to split carries with Jaquiz Rogers, who's a good running back? Don't get me wrong, but Martin should be fed that ball 20, 25 times a game. Um, the issue I have with Doug Martin on my specific teams, you know, I've got Melvin Gordon, I've got Gurley, and I also got Elijah McGuire. So even this week, you know, with now with Bilal Paul being out, uh, I may not even start with Doug Martin. He may be a fourth running back for me, and it's unfortunate he's got to sit on the bench, but... Um, trust me I would like to have him a lot of other teams where I don't have that running back depth but uh, on the team that we're talking about my main event team or even my 5k team he's actually third or fourth running back right now
1: yeah let's talk about those Jets running backs because this is another interesting situation here that we have Uh, specifically on this team you have Bilal Powell and Elijah McGuire in addition to Martin but you look at what Bilal Powell's been doing you look at the injury to Matt Forte do you think Elijah McGuire is actually stepping up as being the starter on this team and the, and the guy that is going to be most re- reliable among the Jets running backs. And could he be a top 20 running back when it's all said and done at the end of the 2017 season?
4: Well, I really hope he's a top uh, 20 running back. Cause I actually have him on six out of my seven teams. So that would be a good thing for me. If uh, Elijah McGuire did finish here at top 20, I could tell you this. I mean, we know about Forte seems like the guy never plays. He's always hurt every week. It's a different injury. And now you got Palau, he's got a strained cap, you know, and they're calling it a minor injury, but those injuries are pretty high risk for aggravation. So McGuire is going to get a lot of looks this week. Um, he's going to get, you know, a lot of passes uh, passes and runs. So this is a good opportunity for him to establish himself. And he's playing against New England. And as we discussed a little bit before, they've given up big yards in the, in the past. Yes, they've had, you know, 10 days to prepare for the Jets. Maybe they have some special wrinkle for the Jets, but – uh Maguire will get the opportunities this week. And I'm like I said, uh if he does finish the top twenty uh this year, it's good for me because uh, like I said, I'm holding him in almost all of my teams.
1: I'm curious, is if somebody is is under the gun for a, a bye week fill in and they have both Powell and Maguire, and let's for 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 argument's sake, let's say Powell is active. Let's say he's, you know, um, not even on the injury report, you're not getting any information from the beat reporters about who's starting for the Jets. You decide you're going to start either Powell or Maguire, Which one are you going with if you can only play one?
4: I'd go with Powell right now. I mean, uh, if, if he was healthy and there was no injury issues, I w- I, you'd have to go with him just based on his uh, past performance and basically his ability to create things, you know, create yards after the catch. And you know, but but he is hurt right now. So this is a huge opportunity this week uh, for Maguire.
1: Yeah, definitely a massive opportunity. And this is the, the type of situation where you can have a rookie running back coming in, playing for a team that, granted, is 3-2, and two, but I don't think has, has um, aspirations of going deep into the playoffs this year. Maybe they give him a longer look. It's certainly the opportunity is right in front of him. Uh, let's uh, shift back to uh, the receiver position from running backs and talk uh, a little bit about uh, Buffalo because it's an interesting situation there. Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods. Are gone. They're they're playing for the Rams. Right. Jordan Matthews, Charles Clay, both out with injuries right now. Zay Jones got six targets last week. He only caught one of them, so he is obviously really struggling. Is there any fantasy value right now with the other pass catchers in, in Buffalo?
4: I mean, very little. I mean, for two different reasons. One, uh, you may maybe you plug a guy like Nick O'Leary I know he's coming off of quite a, maybe a little bit of an injury, but you know, obviously they, uh, you know, tight ends have done well in that offense. I think the bigger issue is Tyrod Taylor and the, and the offense as a whole. I mean, the guy hasn't completed more than 20 passes a game, and you know, and, and a third of those, or even 40% of those, are going to Lashawn McCoy. So it was kind of interesting this week. He threw the ball 37 times at Cincinnati, still only completed 20 passes. So um, other than, like I said, other than O'Leary, uh, you know, and the only plus with him as well is, you know, his, uh, his grandfather's a uh, Jack Jack Nicholas, so that's a pretty cool thing. But I don't really think there's any value there. I mean, I had Charles Clay. It's kind of a bummer to see him go down. So he's having a decent year, but uh, you may as well steer clear of that offense other than McCoy. Yeah. It's,
1: it's a tough situation right now for Buffalo. And, and I think if you try to, um, you know, start a, a, bills receiver, bills pass catcher in general, right now, you're kind of playing roulette with that because I, I think you're going to lose more often uh, than you look.
4: even Yeah, even Zay Jones, you know, he is struggling, but, you know, he's getting matched up because he's probably the the quote-unquote number one receiver in Buffalo with the number one defensive backs every week. So, it's a a tough sledding for all those guys in Buffalo, I think, right now. And, you know, and then you almost feel bad for Lashawn McCoy. I mean, he's going to touch the ball 30 times a game. I mean, how many games can he do that before he can make an injury? And, uh, look, the offenses, the defenses know exactly what to do as well. They're just, you know, stacking the line of scrimmage and saying, okay, Tyrod, beat me deep. Go for it. You know, we're just going to stop the run. So,
1: well, as a wider discussion, you, you can't really bench McCoy at all, even if you know his, his rushing numbers are going to be limited because of his pass catching. Um, right. But So I think, like, in the long run, maybe McCoy doesn't, and by long run, just, you know, talking about this for the 2017 season, maybe McCoy doesn't put up those first-round numbers, but I still feel like he's going to be putting up between 15 and 20 points a game, you know, getting the occasional touchdown, still get, catching a half-dozen passes every week, seemingly.
4: Yeah, he'll get those touches, and that's what you're looking for in fantasy. You know, for look for any, any guy if you draft in the first or second round, for that matter. You know, take a guy like Devontae Freeman, great guy, great running back. He's already, and you know that going out of the gate, he's splitting carries with Tevin Coleman. You know, so a guy like McCoy, he may not, he's gonna get the touches at least, and that's kind of what you're hoping for. You know, yes, I mean, you actually seen Tolbert steal a few carries from him in the goal line carries, but uh, you know, these are. There's a good problems to have with McCoy. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, he's definitely the workload is there. And, and that's, that's really what you care about.
5: Hey, sports fans, football season's here. And it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. My bookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points, props. My bookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited
1: uh staying in new york but shifting to the giants odell beckham and let's i mean we can expand this uh n- not just with odell beckham going out for the year but brandon marshall going out for the year dwayne harris going out for the year you had eli manning getting x-rays on his neck you had orleans darkwa go down with an injury you have sterling shepherd maybe missing out uh on a few uh weeks here as well we know travis rudolph Uh, Got called up from the practice squad for the Giants. We know they uh, re-signed Tavares King, uh, but this is a bad, bad situation. Are you looking uh, for the Giants, given that there will be an opportunity for at least one receiver there to step in, get some volume? Is there anybody here that you'd be looking at acquiring just to to stick in as a potential bye week fill in uh, with that gauntlet coming up?
4: Look, you may as well uh, look for Trell Owens or uh, Joe Cinco at this point because, you know, you're talking about Roger Lewis. You're talking about they promoted Eddie again off the practice squad. Um, and, and the next two weeks, they actually face Denver's defense and Seattle's defense. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a as a Jets fan, I'm happy. I mean, look, I don't want to see him get injured, but it's, you know, see the Giants not have any victories this year and have all the big bands with the big mouths talking before the season. Yeah. Um, you know, it's nice seeing him with zero wins, but it's a tough situation with that. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, me personally, I was very limited. I, mean, I had uh, Odell Beckham on one or two teams and, you know, very limited. Uh, I don't think I had Shepard or Marshall for that matter. Um, but I'm not going to be looking at Lewis or Egan or a- anyone for that matter. I do have uh, uh, Ingram on a few teams. Uh, I was shocked what he did last week. I mean, his numbers were, were nothing last week, you know, considering they were throwing the ball around. And, you know, just taking it a step further, it's 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 a shame when you see a team and, and a player like Eli Manning. You know, he's actually I think he's leading the league in pass attempts at this point, which makes sense because they have no running game. You know, they have no offensive line play, which makes it just you know real difficult for him. And, and management knew this before the season started. You know, they knew their their weakness was the offensive line. They don't address it. They got no running game, which basically then makes uh the passing even worse situation. So uh, I am going to be steer, staying. Far away from the Giants receivers because who do you pick? And then realistically, if you do pick a guy, what's he going to put up? You don't even know if he's the right guy. So uh, for yeah. me.
1: I mean, they, they, they have no I – mean, no matter who steps in, unless maybe it's Shepard when he gets healthy. But no matter who yeah. steps in right now, you have no idea. I mean, it, it could be Rudolph. It could be King. It could be a different guy week to week. Um, conversely, right. talking about their running game, which is non existent right now, is there any chance that they try to hide their passing game deficiencies with running the ball through, you know, if Orleans Dark was healthy, uh, through Wayne Gallman, Shane Vereen, uh, Paul Perkins when he gets back? Is there any chance that they start pounding the rock there uh, and, and there's some fantasy relevance there? Or do they just not have the line to do that?
4: I don't think they have a line to do that. I think they're. Uh success was against the Eagles one week and, and why they were successful a little a little successful is Manning was basically getting rid of the ball in three seconds he was back he was getting rid of the ball not giving the defense a chance to basically you know hit him but now you're talking about you know you mentioned Shepard coming back and you know maybe when he's healthy he comes back once again now you know the number one DBs are on Shepard you know they were on ODB before they were focused on a lot of other things so if they're gonna you know take a number one defensive back and put him on Shepard uh it's a bad situation over there I mean like I said it's uh and you always feel bad for Eli. And the guy's put in his time. He's played how many consecutive years, hasn't missed a game. And, you know, like for – to be behind that offensive line, you know you're going get your ass kicked every week and just, just hit. You know, it, it's, it's it's a tough situation for him. It's got to be, you know.
1: And given, you know, the – I mean, obviously, I, I, you know, guys like Anquan Bolden, who probably would not come back at this point, but free agent receivers that are out there, nobody's going to want to come to this 0-5 team with no shot at the playoffs, essentially. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be a long season for New York. Uh let's look, talk about even, go ahead Even I was going to say
4: even, I was going to say even a fan favorite Victor Cruz, you know, uh you know, he can't even get a shot, you know, just yeah. tells you, you know,
1: that that's how bad it is, man. I mean, it's just it's it's really really it, and I it, listen, I'm, I'm sorry for Giants fans, but uh get a look at the young guys and take a look uh, towards uh, 2018. Uh Darren with all of your high stakes teams this year that you've drafted There's probably a player or two, maybe even more than two, that you really believed in prior to the season. Maybe pundits were down on them, Maybe your fellow drafters did not want to have anything to do with them, Or you just liked that particular player, these particular players, a little bit more than the rest of the crowd. A little bit more than the guys you're drafting with. Uh, And maybe you own them in in quite a few spots this year. Who's that guy or who are those guys for you this year? And what was it about them that you ended up liking a little bit more than everybody else to acquire him in in a, a lot of your drafts?
4: Well, I mean, I mean, I've got lucky. I don't want to say lucky, but I mean, I've got Gurley on three of my teams, and he was a guy that, you know, if you drafted towards the back end, uh, I want to say 10, 11, 12, I was always trying to grab him on the second you know, on the on the second round. And there was also drafts where I was drafting the four or five hole that he would make it all the way back. So he's a guy I targeted, and like we talked about LeSean McCoy earlier, he's a guy where he's going to get 30 touches a game, 25 touches a game. Utilizing him a lot more out of the backfield now. They also, you know, they actually picked up uh, some weapons. Um, for golf over there, so he's a guy I had targeted. Um, and the other guy I targeted, you know, when when you're drafting and, and it's, it kind of was a situation where, when you do take a running back or two running backs in the first two or three rounds, you obviously know you're going to miss out on some of those quote unquote stud or high volume uh receivers. So I also got Adam Thielen in three three of my teams, and you know he was averaging I think the sixth round, uh, early seventh round. So I was trying to pick him up fifth round if I had to because I knew basically I had uh taken some running backs early I needed to basically get some value in the receiver position so uh I've got Gurley on three of my teams happy with obviously his performance uh Thielen on three of my teams and another uh person I targeted I only got him I think I got him three teams maybe two teams was Carson Wentz you know he was always towards the you know bottom half of the uh quarterbacks being drafted and and he's in that offense where, you know, and you can see what he's doing. I mean, he's just throwing the ball around. He's got some weapons around him second year in the league. Um, So I'm kind of happy that I did get some of those guys uh, that I targeted.
1: Let me ask you something. As long as you're talking about Gurley, I'm curious uh, when we talk about that Rams offense, because Sean McVay takes over for Jeff Fisher. Sean McVay, so, I mean, he's, he's so much more infinitely offensively creative than Jeff Fisher was, and obviously he's really unlocked Todd Gurley's potential this year. Gurley's crushing at this, you know, 2017 season. Um, why can he do that with Gurley, but why has he not been able to unleash Sammy Watkins, who has done nothing the last two weeks? What has been the difference? Why has he been able to do it with Gurley? Why hasn't he been able to do it with Watkins except for, one game essentially and when does that change this year does Watkins get on track
4: I think he'll get on track but I think it also takes time you know you have you know Goff is in an offense uh with some other guys throwing the ball to them comfortable with them you bring in Sammy Watkins it's a, it's a nice addition to the team but how much one-on-one time does Sammy Watkins and golf have together so I think it'll come together but they got a lot of pieces over there I mean, they got a lot of interesting pieces um fun offense to watch obviously they didn't do too much in Seattle last week but um there's a lot of fun playmakers on there uh, on the team so
1: yeah and, and then think about that division you have Seattle's defense who's getting older Arizona who has the you know maybe the oldest roster in the league in San Francisco still trying to find their way could be a very exciting next few years uh for Rams uh for Rams skill position players certainly in that offense
4: um maybe not their fans maybe not their fans I don't know if you, I, you know I mean I hear no one's going to these games and you know it's a, it's a joke out there but uh for the uh for the uh you know for the fans that are the fans that's it's a good situation.
1: Yeah, and and fantasy players who are drafting those Rams uh, definitely are, are going to like owning Gurley as as you can speak to and you know you've loved uh, owning Gurley so far this year. Uh, week six yeah. means the return of uh, the the week five teams that were on by, including the New Orleans Saints. They will be back in action this week, and some people may be planning on starting Willie Sneed. Some people may be planning on starting Ted Ginn at receiver. Does Willie Sneed pass Ted Ginn right away this week uh, in the pecking order for targets? Does it happen later on this season? Or is Ginn the number two guy that you want to own, the number two receiver that you want to own for the Saints?
4: Well, surprisingly enough, I mean, I was looking at some, uh, you know, some waiver wires today, just some uh, new players to add to the uh Royal cheese squad, and uh, Ginn's available and I think, six out of the seven leagues. Um, so I think that ship's already sailed on Ginn. I mean, I think, um, you know, Sneed's going to come in and jump right in there. Um, but even the last few weeks when Snead was out, I don't think that, you know, give made too big of an impression. I mean, he never had more than four catches, you know, I think he had four catches, 50 yards and a touchdown in his best game, um, in an offense that's constantly throwing the ball around. So, uh, look, maybe he has a week or two where, you know, he, look, he's going to go off. He, there's no doubt about it. You know, just his speed alone, uh, stretching the defense, he's going to have a week where he's going to go off for six catches, a buck 40 and a touchdown, but it may be a situation where he's doing that on a waiver wire as a free agent where no one even owns him. So.
1: Yeah. And certainly with the, with the step forward that Alvin Kamara has made, you still have Kobe Fleener there. Brandon Coleman's been getting into the end zone. There's a lot of uh, potential uh, targets for Drew Brees, uh, in that offense. And certainly his favorite receiver is probably the open one. So we'll have to see what that goes. I I think that's going to be a key, key thing to watch for as we uh, move through this, uh, you know, next four or five weeks of the season. Um, the FFPC has uh, these higher stakes leagues, the high society, $10,000 uh, entry fee, big payback, $5,000 entry fee. You participate in a lot of these. When you participate in those leagues where you're really going up against some of the toughest drafters in, in the entire you know, FFPC, what's the most challenging part? Of of competing against those guys, guys who have won so much money that are are you know ponying up uh, you know five digit figures to to get in these leagues. Uh, when you I know the main event is tough, it's not easy. But when you compare it, com- competing in, against these other eleven guys in, in high society, it's got to be more difficult. What's the most challenging part of that?
4: Well, first off, I mean, just competing in the high society and the big paybacks fun because these guys are all good guys. I mean, you know, their names. I mean, anyone that's in the high stakes world, you know, these names and uh, you know, these guys are all approachable, really fun guys. And it's great drafting with them. And it was a great experience beyond Vegas, with these guys. Um, so first off, I and mean, that's the first thing I want to say, all. you know, that, that's the fun part uh, about doing that. The, the challenging part, uh, for instance, you know, we did the high society, which is a $10,000 buy-in. Um, and I think in the, in the first 10 rounds, there was 15 or 16 tight ends that were taken. So as these tight ends are, are going off the board one after the other, you know, the challenging part is you, your your first reaction is you want to draft a tight end, you know, everyone else is doing, I I need to get a tight end here. So, um, so that's kind of the first thing is just really just doing your own thing. You know, you can't just basically follow the lead. So for instance, I just referenced, there was 15 tight ends taken in the first 10 rounds. I didn't take my first tight end, until the I think 10th or 11th round. I got Charles Clay. I mean, at that point, Witten was still available. Brait was still available. Clay was still available. You only need to start one of them. So I'm happy um, I didn't kind of follow that trend. And same thing with the quarterbacks. You know, the quarterbacks, um, once again, you know, once one or two guys takes them, they just start flying off the board. And I waited a little bit. was able to get Jamison Winston in the 11th round. Probably could have waited longer and probably got my boy Wentz. Uh, you know, probably 15 16 17th round. Uh, maybe you haven't got him as a backup. I mean, I'm not quite sure, but that's the challenge is really just do your own thing. I mean, if you've got a guy you like and you want to take him, take him. You know, not, Regardless of where you've seen him being drafted throughout the weekend or where you may have drafted him before, you better lock up a guy you want. And, and then the other issue, uh, the real challenging part is uh, when you got guys ponying up five and $10,000 in the fantasy football league. Uh, for instance, I'll, I'll give you my situation right now that I'm faced with in the big payback. Uh, my draft started at the first pick, so I went David Johnson, second pick, Dalvin Cook, followed it up with Tate, Golden Tate, Devonte Adams. Um, then I got Allen Robinson, then I got Corey Coleman. Um, so right away, you take a look at my first seven picks, four or five of them are out for the year. I mean, Cook's gone, Johnson's gone, Coleman's gone, Allen Robinson's gone. That's not the league that you want to do that in. You know what I'm saying? It's out of your control, but, um, there's not going to be a lot of value in the free agency when you, when you're dealing with guys that are putting in five and $10,000. So uh, I'm trying to manage it as best as I can, but uh, you know, and look, there's a lot of other people are dealing with injuries as well, but that, that's just, that's, that's the difference between when you're dealing with the main event league, you still may have an opportunity because there's a lot of good free agents available. Um, I don't want to say, you know, good, but there's some guys that have potential versus I think when you get to the, some of these big paybacks uh, and some of the high societies. Very slim pickings on a week-to-week basis on the uh, waiver wire, and if there is a good guy that's available, you better be able to spend seventy or eighty percent of your budget uh, if you want a guy.
1: How often do you, when you're in that situation where you have to replace that much front-end talent? How often are you really swinging for the fences on the waiver wire and taking guys, you know, run, let's say a running back that that really doesn't have a clear-cut role, but he flashes, and, and maybe you can get him on the cheap, maybe a week or two before the team is turning towards him. I think a perfect example uh, of a guy like that is Aaron Jones, you know, a guy who really didn't have a role in the offense while Ty Montgomery was, you know, having 800 snaps a game. Um, You, you pick him up, you know, given that, okay, this is an elite offense. This is um, a a, a roster that, um, that, that could really be uh, beneficial to a guy who is getting, um, you know, 15, 20 touches a game. And he's he's behind Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery, but if you see the talent, if you see that this guy could probably flash and show something, uh, given the opportunity, um, and I'm not specifically talking about Aaron Jones, I'm just using him as an example. But well, do you, you. Do, you, do you find yourself swinging for the fences when you when you're that talent depleted, trying to get these guys on the cheap before they explode?
4: Yeah, you have to. One, you have to because you're in a situation where even putting a starting lineup together when you get into bye weeks is a little bit challenging. So you kind of have to swing for the fences. But you know, you swing and miss. It's a uh, you're not left with much to deal with after that. So your other option is to basically take a look at um, certain running backs. Let's let's use Jay Ajayi, for instance. You know, the guy, he's got talent. Something's wrong. I don't think the offensive line's a little banged up over there. But he's you know, he's got some fumbling issues. He's got some leg issues. He's looked like crap all year. So all of a sudden. You know, is a backup potentially going to get in the game, flash some good signs, and maybe he gets an opportunity in the future. So you got to look at a lot of those type of situations. What players may be underperforming, even though they may have been first, second, third-round draft picks. But, you know, you're already five weeks into the season, and some of these guys, how long is a coach going to stick with this guy when nothing's happening? So um, there's a few ways to look at that.
1: Uh, Darren, you've been so gracious with your time tonight. I want uh, one final question before uh, I let you go. A player that has been uh, that was drafted relatively high in FFPC leagues that you're kind of ready to give up on at this point. You're not seeing enough from him, and, and it's time to let him go to the waiver wire and uh, pull the listeners behind the curtain. Uh, we're recording this here on a Tuesday night. Uh, so when, at the time this podcast is released on Thursday morning, uh, they will not be able to, to copy any of your waiver bids here. So a guy that you'll be targeting or that you were, you know, to speak in the future tense, a guy that you did target, uh, on the waiver wire
4: this week as well. All right. So let's start with your first question. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, Washington Redskins receivers right now. I've, I've got Pryor, I've got Crowder. I don't necessarily know that I'll be dropping them off my, my team. Uh, but it, it's difficult to start these guys right now, you know, and you take prior, he put a lot, uh, you know, a, a lot on himself in a, in a one-year contract situation. And he really hasn't lived up to that, you know, and he's in a good offense, uh, same thing with Crowder, you know, it was, uh, you know, during the Kansas city game, I think it was two Mondays ago, uh, he, he, got one catch, you know, how's it even possible when they're playing, you know, catch up all games. So not really happy with those two guys. Uh, like I said, I don't think I'm going to, I won't be dropping them, but, um, I'm not, I can't, I can't really start them unless I'm really forced to in a bye week situation. I'll let those guys kind of prove themselves to me before I kind of uh, put them uh, back in my starting lineup. And then um, in regards to the free agent that, that are available right now, I mean, obviously, you look at some guys like Matt Briotta. Um, he may or not be available in a lot of these free agents uh, in free agency right now, but he got some looks last week. Uh, I think I'm going to be looking this week specifically because a lot of the guys – we talked about McGuire before. We're talking about there's a few guys that are, are mostly owned that are basically the top waiver wire guys this week. I think I'm going to look for guys um, possibly like a, uh, you, you know, look, every time you look at Carolina, it looks like Funches is getting hurt. Kelvin Benjamin's getting hurt. You know, Cam's doing some good things there, but there's going to be an opportunity. It seems like every time I watch those games, those guys are on the ground. There's an injury. Maybe a Russell Shepard steps up. Maybe a Samuel steps up. You know, those guys are definitely available. Maybe it cost me a dollar or two. let it ride out for a week or two. Uh, They're not going to all of a sudden jump in and get me 25 points a week. Uh, Same thing I mentioned before, like, you know, a guy like Kenyon Barner, uh, Kenyon Drake, you know, some of those guys where they're not going to get the carries right now. but Maybe two weeks out, they're starting to get some carries because of a lack of uh, production from the number ones and number twos that are uh, in there right now. So uh, right now, the waiver wires are slim picking, especially the buys coming up. It's been a crazy year with injuries. I've never seen anything like it. In my 15, 16 years of uh, playing high stakes fantasy football, um, uh, you know, look, the, it, it's tough. You know, we, we sit here, we're talking about fantasy football, but, you know, all these guys are getting hurt. I mean, these are career and life changing injuries that they're dealing with. So it's kind of, uh, you almost feel bad for them. But uh, here we are talking about waiver wire and who, who I'm going to pick up because of, you know, some injuries and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, that's what I'm in. That's my my goal this week. You know, I'm in a good position. uh with some of my teams that you know, I, I really have, other than the the, the 5K uh, big payback team, I kind of uh, complained about a little bit in some of my injuries. I've been, knock on wood, uh, relatively injury-free in, in a very uh, injury-played year.
1: Yeah, and, and sometimes that's 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 all you need is, is keep your guys healthy. And one of the things I think that, and I'll just leave with this, one of the things I think that, and, and I'm guilty of this totally when I place waiver bids, I think that we sometimes look at when we're placing bids and trying to pick up different guys off the waiver wire, I think that we're looking for a home run. We're looking to, okay, maybe this guy can give me good value the rest of the way. Maybe this guy can take this job and run with it. And, and maybe this guy can give me 15 points a week uh, you know, through week 16. I think the key sometimes is not necessarily looking for the guys that might do that or could do that. Sometimes picking up a guy for... out of a $1,000 budget for a guy who gives you 15 points twice that's worth it. Uh, sometimes sure. if a guy can only give you one week worth of value, two, three weeks worth of value, sometimes that's enough to get you those extra victory points to get you those extra points that put you in the playoffs. And you don't necessarily need to be swinging for home runs all the time. When a double will still get the runs on the board and get you there. And, and I'm sorry for the baseball references to everybody who's listening, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, chipping away and, and getting these, you know, these, these uh, fly balls off the wall that will get you to the playoffs just as easily as a home run will.
4: Look, and I agree with you. I mean, I mean, you know, it's we're going into week six, I think it is, the NFL season. I mean, when you have me back on in week ten or eleven, which I'm pretty sure you will, I hope you do actually. But uh Obviously. there's gonna be guys there's gonna be guys that, you know, we didn't even think about, you know, in week six of the NFL season that are basically like, wow, you know, this guy came out of nowhere. And you you know, so there's gonna be guys that we're not talking about, you're not even thinking about whether it's injuries or just lack of production are going to basically step up and say, wow, I could, could have had this guy for $4. You know, why didn't, why didn't I see that? You know?
1: Well, and, and listen, hopefully you you just, you just got everybody woke now, Darren, everybody's aware of it and and hopefully when they place their bids Friday night and, and, and the weeks following, They'll be able to hammer these guys out. Listen, thanks so much for coming on the show this week. I really appreciate it. Best of luck not only into your main event team that's in sixth place, but the high society, the big payback, all your leagues this year. Hopefully the balls bounce your way. And we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thanks a lot.
4: Appreciate it. Have a good one, man.
1: You can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.